This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Elcox Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Chris and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name's Nikki. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Nikki. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would our guest like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who she is? Hi, I'm Nikki. Um, I'm an alcoholic and I live in Christchurch with my two kids. I've been in AA for over half my life now, um, since last century. <laughs> and yeah, I really like that bit where you said people didn't know about how you could have, think you could have fun without alcohol. I was certainly one of those and it was a real surprise to me to come in and find that actually at once I'd sort of got through the humpy parts of getting sober, life was a hell of a lot more fun without alcohol than it was with it. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's nice to be here today. Yes, thank you for coming. It's wonderful. How long have you been sober? And have you, you know, have you got a family and things like that? Yep, yep. I've, uh, I got sober in 1992. April the 15th was my first day of sobriety. And uh, I was in Australia when I got sober, but I moved back to back home, which is Christchurch, New Zealand, um, about a year and a half later. And since I've been sober, I've been married and had two kids and been divorced. So I've got two teenagers now. Uh, best divorce I'd ever hoped to have. <laughs> you know, if you have to be divorced, it's nice to do it sober. And in a, in a um, you know, it talked before about having a program and. Having a program certainly made my divorce a lot easier. Uh, we get on well, and yeah, um, I work in public health, and life's pretty good, really. Yeah, lovely. And how about when you were growing up? What was your childhood like, if you want to say anything? Mm. Um, my childhood was pretty chaotic. There was both my parents had quite severe mental illnesses, and it was, you know, later when I got sober and heard about. Um, what people's life was like living in alcoholic families. I realised it was very similar with the mental illnesses that my parents had. Um, so, like, it was, we stayed in one house, which was probably the most stable thing we had, and mum and dad were kind of in and out of hospitals, and uh, their behaviour was extremely erratic, and um, my fa they separated when I was eight, my father killed himself two years later, so it was a Unusual childhood. Um, when I when I turned fourteen, I found alcohol, and that seemed to, you know, I often look at it now that I was self medicating for the sort of trauma that I had from that childhood. Um, but I don't think that I, I know it helped with the trauma, but it certainly didn't make the trauma didn't make me an alcoholic. If that makes sense, it's like I probably drank partly because of that, but. The alcoholism is the reason I kept drinking because I'm different to other people. And your pattern of drinking? Did you drink socially, alone, binge, daily? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Uh, at the end of it, I was trying to drink a bit more sociably. So um, I was living in this little town in Australia and I had a boyfriend who was a bus driver. And he'd pull in in his bus at five o'clock and I'd be at the door of his bus with two glasses of wine because I didn't drink alone because that was sort of alcoholic behaviour. <laughs> so I'd shove this glass in the poor guy's hand and he'd be like, oh, you know, let me get changed. I'm like, no, no, have a drink, have a drink. Because as soon as he'd had a drink, I'd feel like I could. So I thought I was being social, but um, yeah, no, I, I, it was a mess. <laughs> it was always a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, through your drinking career, did you ever think it was an actual problem? 
Not really, no. I mm. thought it was a solution. I thought um, alcohol made me feel better. I remember when I was about oh, 18, I suppose, having this realisation that when I was sober, which wasn't particularly often, it was usually in the mornings if I was lucky, um, I found it really hard to talk to my friends and I remember running into a bunch of them in town. I'd been out with them the night before partying and and I saw them and I couldn't sort of speak to them. That shyness had come back and I thought, oh, I'm just better off with alcohol in me. I didn't, had no idea that, you know, the al- the reason I couldn't talk to them the next day was not because I didn't have, it was because I didn't have alcohol in me because the alcohol took away my confidence sort of thing, if that makes sense. So, yeah, when I had it in me, I was very conf- I was overconfident, but when it came out, it was like I was just frightened again. Yeah. So I didn't really, th- my mum thought it was a problem. I know she took me to an AA meeting when I was about 14, which was probably within six months of me starting drinking. And I just thought she was batty. She sent me to a psychologist. They said, looks like she drinks too much. I thought he didn't, you know, what would he know? I thought I had it all under control. And um, the interesting thing is when I did stop drinking, I rang up my mum about two months after I'd been so. You know, I was about two months sober. And I said to her, hey, Mum, I've stopped drinking. You'll be pleased. And she went, oh, yeah. And I said, we well, don't sound very excited. And she said, no, because you've been ringing me, you know, for the last six months or so. You've been ringing me just about every week and telling me you've stopped drinking. And then you ring me drunk the next day. And I was like, do I? I had no idea. I was doing it in blackout. So, yeah, I didn't think it was a problem, but I think other people could see it pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Looking back, I can see it was just, I don't know how, the denial, you said denial is huge. I had no idea. Where, even when I went to my first AA meeting, I still thought I've made a mistake and they're going to chuck me out. It's been 29 years now, they still haven't chucked me out. So, so we're talking about your first AA meeting, mm. and what was it like? How did you get there? What, what happened? Oh, I had a... I don't know what it was. I'd had a bit of a crisis. Three things had happened. I'd been arrested for drink driving for the second or third time. Um, A carload of drunks, I had a wee kitten, and this carload of drunks had run it over one night, and this was in about a two-week period. And as I went out to bury him, I had this sort of realisation that I drove drunk a lot. I never set out to drive drunk. I'd set out to go to the supermarket. Next thing I'd know, I'm in the pub driving home drunk, and I thought, man, I could run over a cat or a dog or a person and quite potentially I wouldn't even know because driving in blackout you don't remember that sort of thing and that was really frightening. And then I woke up one, well I sort of came to one morning, I was washing my face in the sink and all the water was running out under the vanity cabinet and when I opened the door the S-Bend had been removed from the vanity cabinet so I went into my partner and said why is the S-Bend off the sink? And he said, um, I don't know. You took it off at about 2 o'clock this morning. You wouldn't tell me why. You just insisted on removing it. I remember holding this thing in my hand going, normal people don't remove the S-Bend off the sink in the middle of the night. And that was kind of one of those moments where I thought there's something really wrong with me. So I rang all the crisis numbers and the phone number, except Alcoholics Anonymous, because I wasn't an alcoholic. And... Uh, most of them kept saying, oh, there's a really great Alcoholics Anonymous in Dolby, which is where I was. Um, You should try them. So I'd hang up and ring the next number. The last two on the thing were Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon, which is the kind of the sister fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, 
I didn't know what it was, of course. I didn't know that that was for the partners of alcoholics. So I rang them because, of course, I'm still not an alcoholic, right? And uh, the lady said, oh, why don't you just come and see me? So I went to her house and she put her hand on my shoulder and said, it's okay, my husband's an alcoholic too. And I said, what? He's not the problem, I am. To this day, I don't know why I said it. Um, but she said, oh, no problems, just come with me and I'll take you to AA. And I was like, but, but, but. Anyway, I got to this person's house and he told me about his story of his drinking. Now, his drinking was nothing like mine. I was a very heavy drug user as well as an alcoholic. He didn't do any drugs. He was a war veteran. He was 72 years old. I was 26. You know, there was a massive difference between us. Um, but as he told me about what his drinking did to him, he told me about the anxiety and the fear that he had. He told me about the the bewilderment of thinking, I'm just going to have one drink today and then winding up in a blackout again, you know, that and not understanding why you couldn't control your drinking, you know, and people saying, oh, you're just a wuss and you can't handle it. And I'm like, you know, I know now that I can't. I'm an alcoholic. I'm different to most of people. About 10% of um, society has alcoholism. And the others don't. They drink normally. They they can stop drinking when they want to. They can say they're going to have one drink and have it. So anyway, this guy talked to me about his story in AA and said, do you want to come to a meeting? And I said, yeah, because he had a wife and she kept bowling in and they kept smiling at each other. And I thought, he doesn't, she doesn't, he doesn't want to stick a knife in her. And every time I saw my partner, I kind of wanted to stick knives in him. I didn't like him very much. And, uh, but they seem to have hope, you know, they seem to have a solution to the problem. And even though I didn't know that my problem was the same as theirs, they were saying, do you want to try it? And I wanted to try. I was desperate, you know, I was just desperate. Um, and I went to my first AA meeting that night and much to my surprise, I haven't had a drink from that day till this. Um, the first meeting was a bit strange, but I thought that they'd all somehow been talking to my mum and got my story to make me feel at home. And, uh, yeah, I related to pretty much everything they were talking about when it came to alcoholism. But, again, they were all 30 or 40 years older than me. Most of them been sober for years and years and years. Um, in fact, most of them had been sober since before I was born. So they, they were very different in their lives, but their alcoholism was what I related to. Yeah. Mm. So you got a lot of hope at that first meeting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did, I did. I just got this light of, you know, they can get well, maybe I can too. So what did you do from there to stay sober and, to, you know, your, your recovery process? Right. So they told me then to keep coming back. And you've got to remember, there was I was in a place where there was... 12 pubs and 13 churches and I think I was banned from about 8 of the pubs not many people were saying to me keep coming back so they said keep coming back and I did said get a sponsor so I got a sponsor and then I just did what my sponsor said I was really frightened that I'd drink again and I knew that I didn't know how to stay sober so anything they said to do which was to start working on the program um, you know do some service like I started cleaning ashtrays and washing the dishes after the meetings and just going to the meetings as much as I could. And, uh, yeah. So how do you cope with difficulties in meeting sponsors, other AA members and things like that? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I've always found that quite easy. Like, 
AA alcoholics are pretty friendly people at the best of times, and when we're sober, and they and we can see that someone's trying to get sober, we just we really want that for them. So I found that they were the same to me. They were really um, warm towards me when I first came in, and I just asked the first person that I'd met to be my sponsor, even though he was a seventy-two-year-old guy with thirty-six years sobriety, and I was twenty-six-year-old. Um, but he sort of became like a grandfather to me and difficulties. I don't know. I, I think underneath all the kind of shyness and the mess, I'm quite a sociable person. So that came up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How important has service been as part of your recovery? Oh, very, very much so. Um, my first sponsor was huge on that. And so that's where, you know, he, like the first thing he said was start washing the dishes and start cleaning the ashtrays. And while I was doing that, I'd talk to people and I'd start to hear my story. As I spoke my story to people and saying, oh, you know, and I got arrested, they'd say, well, what were you doing when you arrested? And I'd say, I was drinking and driving or I was drinking and I kicked in a phone box or I was drinking and I, whatever. And I started to hear the drinking, drinking, drinking and thought, maybe I'm an alcoholic. So that was the first part. Then... After a few months, my sponsor said, when you're six months old, you, you know, sober, you can be the treasurer of the group. So that gave me something to look forward to. And I learned some little basic skills. Then I became, I started working in the service centre when I came back to Christchurch, learned some office skills. So it's been, as well as keeping me sober, it's also taught me a lot of skills that I've used in my life. Um, it's been huge. I think service is absolutely vital in AA and and no matter what I can give to AA, I always get back in, you know, tenfold. Yeah. Mm. Now, how would you describe yourself in your life you have today? Well, indescribable from the drunk <laughs> me. <laughs> you know, I look back and it's like, it's like, when I think back, it's like watching a video. I think, I don't know how I did that stuff to myself. I don't know why. My life today is very settled. I have a home, I have two kids. Um, you know, as I said before, I have a good relationship with my ex-husband and, and his new wife. Um, they're great people, you know. And when I was sober, I was, when I was drinking, every ex-partner of mine was horrible, no matter what. <laughs> but these are great people and we get on well. So I'm pretty stable, I'm secure, I have a good job. Um, I completed university last year. I finally decided after a 30-year gap year to go and do some study. So I've just, um, yeah, graduated last year with a Bachelor of Health Sciences. Um, Life's good, you know. It's fairly calm. It's often a lot of fun. It's sometimes boring, but not often. It's pretty busy. Yeah, it's it's, it's great, really. (laughs) And what about your goals for the future? Oh, Ah, trying to figure that out and still don't know what I want to do when I grow up Um, I want to travel some more and I will you know I've got a few small trips planned and I'm starting to plan some bigger trips around mostly around New Zealand because we have the best country in the world Uh, I at the moment my kids are still at high school so I'm kind of just raising them through and then I don't really know, just kind of enjoying it, really. Yeah, yeah, haven't got big goals, have had it at different times, but I'm kind of on the wind down now, <laughs> you know, on the other end of it all, yeah. AA's described as a spiritual programme. What mm. does spirituality mean to you? Oh, it's wonderful. It's a, um, I'm not religious, but I definitely consider myself spiritual, so I don't go to church. I 
came to AA with a lot of resentment at church, towards churches, but I've worked through that and I understand they're fantastic for a lot of people, but it's not my thing. And I've often prayed about that and said, well, God, if you want me to go to church, I will. It's, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a very tender part of my life. It's a very sweet part of my life. My relationship with, with what I call God is is really beautiful and... Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's a very loving thing, and it's very hard to talk about because it's so intimate. But it's it's amazing, and it's something I learned in AA, so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And so, living life on a spiritual basis, what is mm. that? How does that pan out for you? Oh, it's fairly simple. I um, you know, there's there's common virtues like you could call them the deadly sins in the Bible that we don't do. We just try to avoid being angry, um, jealous resentful, those sorts of things, because they will eventually lead me back to drinking. So when those things come up, I talk to a sponsor or another AA member. I um, go to a meeting and share about it and just, you know, we have tools, we have spiritual tools to work through. So we do those things like if I'm pissed off, (laughs) sorry, if I'm angry with somebody, I'll pray for them, which feels contrary to normal, but it does work. Um, yeah, so if I'm praying for you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> what would you suggest to any listeners that think that may think they have a drinking problem? I'd suggest bring AA, have a chat, you know. Um, we're always, we have 24-hour phone service. We've always got somebody willing to talk to you. And if it's not for you, we might be able to point you in the direction of something else. But come along to half a dozen meetings and try it. You know, it's... We're usually the end of road for people. Most people have been through the works before they get to us and they're pretty desperate and this thing works. You know, we have millions of sober members around the world. I know hundreds of them here and it's it's amazing. Yeah. So give us a call on 0800 AA Works. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Nikki, yeah. thanks so much for coming on the show and st- sharing oh, your story pleasure. with us. No, it's a pleasure. It's great. Mm. So for our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us, as Nikki said, on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do at every AA meeting. God, God, grant grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.